Hey, homebodies. I have a new nickname for us, too. Hey, homies. <laughs> Welcome to a new episode of the Homebody Meets Universe podcast. I'm your host, Shelby, a.k.a. Shelves, a.k.a. The Vibe Butterfly, a.k.a. These next six months better be better than the last. <laughs> I decided to do a six-month review, and I hope you guys enjoy it. So let's get right into it. I decided I want to make a six-month review because now that June is over, the six months of 2020 has been up. Um, I pray that the next six months of 2020 shall be prosperous and peaceful, (laughs) calming, and we gain even more clarity. Because the first six months of 2020 has been so, has given us so much clarity on life, on our personal relationships, on clarity on who we are and who we should be, who we want to be in this world moving forward. I feel like 2020 has revealed itself to be truth. And truth is a hard thing to digest to many people who are unwilling. And I used to be one of those people unwilling to accept truth as it is. But the naked truth, man, the naked truth breaks down so much barriers and it shakes the room, y'all. Truth shakes the room. And here's why I say that 2020, the first half of 2020, was revealing the veil. Was it lifting the veil? Absolutely, yes. It was lifting the veil. And I say this because we were living in such a sedated, I want to say a sedated society so far. We have a lot of things that could sedate us. We have a lot of things that could just put us on a wave without us really thinking about, without us really thinking deeply into anything. Like social media, Social media is a perfect tool to desensitize you. Like, we see so many um, police shootings, so much violence, so much words. The violence in words is serious on social media. Cancel culture, um, propaganda. We see so much things on social media that's rooted in violence and also white supremacy. We could talk about that, too. But the tool of social media really desensitizes us. And it also doesn't allow us to think that deeply. It doesn't allow for critical thinking. Social media does not allow for critical thinking. And I want to say it really shapes the how the society um, operates nowadays. Um, and it's from the TV. It's from the way um, creators... I want to say it's definitely in the way creators create to a certain extent. They have to almost tiptoe around certain topics because they don't want to experience any quote-unquote outrage we are very privy to the sensitivities of others but yet we are not privy to the sensitivities to empathize with them we're only privy to certain sensitivities of people and communities just so we don't get quote-unquote canceled and I say we meaning people on social media and really the influencers and the people that can make an impact and as consumers of these things I really just want to shed light on how much social media desensitizes us and almost sedates us and moves us away from critical thinking. And all of the things that have been happening from the pandemic to the social unrest to celebrity culture being revealed, really. We have been seeing so much things come to light 
this past six months and we needed that and the first the first thing that really tipped it off with the death of kobe Bryant, the death of kobe Bryant really tipped off everything i believe like and it was towards the end of january but that was the first thing that really shook us it really shook everyone worldwide whether you're a basketball fan or not his death and the death of his daughter and the death of the other eight people on the plane see the seven people now that i said two on the plane it was just so like whoa life is so short like that's how i took it like life is so precious you could do so much things in your lifetime but it takes one thing one second one minute nine minutes for your life to be gone and is what legacy is going to be there after you are gone and that was the, the significance in kobe Bryant's death to me was even though his death was so it was so earth-shaking like it was like an earthquake that shook everybody. I remember I was at work and all of my coworkers were just in shock. We couldn't even help the customers correctly because we were in shock. And we got the information from social media. And even the people that were reporting on the desk weren't being weren't being mindful of such of the sensitivity of the moment of the situation and kept reporting 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 and also reporting things that were misleading and sometimes wrong you know and that's why i say social media has the ability to desensitize us to the things that matter but back to the kobe Bryant's death being the first thing that really shook this year it really allowed me to see wow it really it takes nothing to die you can die in a drop of a dime, God forbid, you know. And it's about what are you doing in your lifetime that could carry your name, carry your legacy, carry the reason why you're put on this earth by God, carry it for years and years to come. What am I doing now? What can I do tomorrow and in the future that will leave a legacy, will leave a name for myself, will, will let me know that I did God's work on this earth. And I don't want to live a meaningful life, a meaningless life. Kobe Bryant's death and the death of Gianna really taught me that. And I want to honor the other seven people that were on that plane, that helicopter as well, because their lives matter just as much as Kobe's life. So, boom. Kobe Bryant was the first one, the first death, the first experience this year that shook us. Second was Pop Smoke. Come on. Pop Smoke's death to this day. I'm like, who killed Pop Smoke? And I say that and I'm like, would that even matter? If I found out who killed Pop Smoke, if we discovered who killed them? Because I really want to scream justice for Pop Smoke. You know, I really want to do that. And I also and I also question myself in that moment, too. Will I still feel will I feel any better for finding out that these people were put behind bars, knowing what behind bars really entails? knowing what it really means to be behind bars not to say i went to jail but as someone who's against prison and against jails you know is that even helpful but let me get on track as well because that's another podcast for another day jails prison systems the criminal justice system that's definitely a podcast to come and right now i want to stay on track with this six month review y'all okay boom yeah pop smoke Till this day, I'm still like, who killed Pop Smoke? Because it's like, wow, Pop Smoke really died. Pop Smoke really died, man. 
And it just reinforced the whole Kobe Bryant effect of who was this person when he was living? He shook the room in almost six to nine months. He really started popping off in around, I'm going to say around April of 2019 and died February of 2020, not even a whole year of his career taking off. And he made such a prominent impact on on the world, on the culture, on Brooklyn. Like, he left such a legacy already in the six to nine months that he's really been visible on a mainstream level. That is so amazing to me. Absolutely amazing to me. And his album came out a few hours ago and... It's absolutely, I haven't listened to it yet, but I've been seeing everything that um, friends have been reposting and they're reposting like they're listening to the his music and they're like crying. And I'm like, just listening to his old music and knowing that he's not here, but he left such gems. He left such treasures for us in his, in the wake of his death. It, it makes me cry. And it also reinforces what type of life do you want to live while you're still alive? What are we going to leave on this earth? When we are gone, boom, that was Pop Smoke's death. Then March comes. (laughs) So that was January, February, boom, March comes. March came to pop off. March came to really, again, shake the whole entire world. Not even just the room, the world. Because coronavirus, it came and it didn't come to play. Mind you, we are still in this pandemic, but... From three months ago to now, it's different. Back in March, crazy things were happening. I would have never thought that my college, the entire CUNY system, would shut down and go online. I never would have thought that. I never would have thought that. I never would have thought colleges around the world, schools around the world, schools around this nation will close down and have to move to online learning. And... The reason why I never thought that was because, A, I didn't think something so powerful could cause that. <laughs> and two, I'm thinking of those who are are not as fortunate as we are to even have such technology, to be able to be at home 24-7 and to learn. Because home, for certain people, home is not a safe space. For certain people... Home is not a place where you could just breathe easy and just be lazy too, you know? There's a certain, there's a certain, I want to say luxury in being lazy. Because <laughs> not many people could have just an hour or two of doing nothing. So I, that's one thing that, that's one aspect that this coronavirus, this pandemic led me to. And the fact that the world was on quarantine, that is history to me the world was on quarantine the world was put on hold and when I mean what I mean by world I mean in industries was put on hold from entertainment from government well I'm not gonna say government but they've been acting up in America so from the government to the educational system to healthcare, that was not put on pause that was on full force and Thank you, God, to all the essential workers. Thank you, God, to all the healthcare workers. Thank you, God, to all the teachers as well and the professors that still had to go through this pandemic and still had to navigate through this online world that they never even thought they had to do. 
you know, and teaching um six-year-olds, first grade, second graders. Granted, I'm not privy as to how they really did it because I don't have second graders in my household, but I could imagine almost the stress and anxiety that was put on the teachers to have to still deliver still teach these children and to the parents that had to take on the tax of teaching their children and taking care of their children times 10 on top of trying to maintain a job from home or losing their job so yes march came and march took it march just blew up the whole world (laughs) this coronavirus the pandemic game it blew up all of america um and we still are we still have yet to really get our acts together. I'm thankful that we are slowly but surely getting our acts together. But we still have yet to get our acts together. So let's move on to April, y'all. Now, for many, people may say April, we were still in the thick of the pandemic. But for those who did not really experience the gravity and the severity of the pandemic as other people who have lost, um, lost family or friends to it, people who have been personally had the virus, for those who did not experience those things or got their world turned upside down because of a loss of a job, a loss of um, income, a shift in income, for those who did not necessarily experience that on a level that really, again, turned their worlds upside down, they may say April and May was just easygoing. But for those who did experience something that was really turned things upside down, and I think we all in some capacity experienced a feeling of our world coming upside down, our world's just really being turned around to something we never even thought could come to. Um, April was really tough because just as tough as March was, to be experiencing these things, experiencing the pandemic and the anxiety of going outside of the toilet paper, being taken away. I remember I went to Target for butter. Oh my gosh, there was no butter. The butter was like clean. There was the whole shelves clean. I was going to certain things for this. I was going to the supermarket for certain things. And when I tell you there was shelves of emptiness, nothing on the shelves. People were really stocking up because of fear. In March, and I think it trickled over to April, where although the fear died down because we accepted the fact that we are in quarantine and this virus does not play, this virus is not playing. April was just as hard because now you could say you were almost a month in quarantine, uh, three to four weeks in quarantine, two weeks in quarantine, and you're cooped up in a house and can't really step outside because we were really in the thick of this virus. And being at home 24-7, granted, I'm grateful for a safe space, a safe home. It still has an effect of, damn, I'm in this house. (laughs) I'm in this house and there's nothing I can do. I can't just step outside the way I usually do before this and be, be easy, you know? I can't just be easy and be what I've been do, go about my business the way I've been doing it beforehand because now... I have to take extra precautions. I have to take extra steps. And what April has taught me was to shift my mind from an individualistic mindset to a collectivism, to introduce collectivism into my life. Because we have been, I'm going to say I, 
And when I say we, I refer to society in American and Western society, because that's what I'm based in. So let me start with the I. I have been, to a certain extent, living in my own world that I haven't been too mindful of others around me. And this pandemic, and especially in April, I was introduced to the fact that what I do affects others. And I was able to see with my own two eyes just how what I do in this household, how I move, how I operate, how I take care of my mental, it affects the people that are around me directly. I was able to see that how I move, how I move, you move just like that. Literally, Ludacris is onto something. How I move, other people move accordingly. And I saw it in my own two eyes. It's it's different when you see it. It's, excuse me. It's different when you read it. Because there's many posts about that. I move accordingly to how other people's energies are. There's a difference between reading it, saying it, to actually seeing it and seeing the process of it going down, unfolding in front of you. Because I remember there were days where my mood was just really low, extremely low. And I would say I was, I'm in, I was in a funk. And when I'm in a funk, I don't interact with anyone. Like, I shut myself out. But it's hard to shut yourself out when you live in such a small space with so much people in there. It's almost... And and they're in the house 24-7. So it's almost impossible to shut yourself out to people who are in the same space as you. You have to interact to a certain level to at least maintain a level of, we could get through this regardless. So me shutting myself out and putting myself in a corner in an unhealthy manner, I want to just emphasize, in an unhealthy manner, affected the energy in the whole room, in the whole household, because it also allowed other people to just shut themselves out, put themselves in a corner unhealthily, and deal with their own issues by themselves when we're all going through this together. You know, speaking on a household basis, we're literally going through this together and communication was so important, I realized. It was super duper important. Granted, I'm not in your shoes, but I, I see you, brother. I see you, sister. I see you, mommy. I see you, poppy. I see you. I understand you, and I'm here for you. That's enough. That's what. That's so courageous as opposed to just shutting yourself out because you don't know how to deal with your feelings. It's so courageous to speak up and say, hey, I'm not okay right now. And other people console you. Or other people just see you and be like, it's all right. I'm not either, but I got you. And I'm here. That's enough. And to be able to provide that for somebody else too. I'm not okay. You're not okay. But since we here, I see you still. And we're going to make it through this. Whether together or not, we still going to make it through this. So April taught me that. Regardless of how I'm feeling, still be in connection with others. Still be in relationship with others because I cannot do this world. I cannot do this thing called life by myself. Same way I cannot do this thing called life without God, without Jesus by, by my side, guiding me, leading me, holding my hand. I cannot do this thing called life in this physical form without people around me, without people I love around me shift from the individualistic mindset to the collective mindset because that will take us so far in this world that will take me very so far in this world because it's not all about me and I'm not going through I'm not the only person going through these things no there's other people around that are going through similar things there's other people around that need just presence 
that need another person around them. And we are all interdependent on each other. You know, I don't want to keep harping on this point, but we are all interdependent on each other. Me wearing a mask could save somebody's life that could save my neighbor's life when I'm outside. Me wearing a mask, me putting on sanitizer, me being very precautious and mindful of the other people around me. Because I care for my life, therefore I care for your life. That's the way to go. And that's exactly what April taught me. That's exactly what this pandemic taught me. I care for my life. Therefore, I care for yours. And I'm going to be mindful of that. I'm going to be mindful to wear my mask in public. Because that's what we have to do during this pandemic, you know? It's important to recognize that we are in an interdependent life. Not even society, life. Because society will tell you to do it by yourself. Get it by your damn self. No. We are in this together. We are placed on this earth to love and to be in relationship with one another. So, boom. That was April. So, then May came around. May came around and May unearthed, revealed, brought clarity to many, many things in this world, to many, many people, including me. In May, I was able to really blatantly see the duality of police officers, the justice system. Even as a student that goes to a criminal justice institution, um, I feel as though sometimes the truth of just how dark the criminal justice system is and biased it is could be masked. However, this month of May, you know, it really revealed it all. And I'm thankful for it. First, I saw most of the unveiling happening on social media when we would see, I'm based out in New York. So there was a particular photo of, um, you know, non-black folks in Central Park and they were chilling. They were having picnics. They were sunbathing. They were chilling. But this was still in the peak of the coronavirus and where the police were really enforcing the six-foot distance mandate, especially in urban areas, especially in the hood. And, you know, these people in Central Park, they're having these picnics or get-togethers or gatherings with more than three people in very close proximity with each other, strangers. And the police officers whether they were park police, whoever police, the security guards, were handing out masks, handing each and every one of them masks, and they're non-black folks. Versus when I look at how the police were treating the people in Brooklyn, how the police and specifically were treating black people in Brooklyn, so many social media posts about just police harassing young men and women to put on their masks. Even out in the Bronx, police harassing Young men and women to, oh, um, six foot distance to pu- push that mandate when it wasn't needed. When they were treating people with so much humanity and being civilized to people in Central Park just a few days ago. So it was really, um, you know, it was kind of hurtful to see that. Like, okay, now I know. Ignorance on all the side. I know that all police officers have a good and bad side. And obviously the police officers in Central Park or that actually treat other non-black communities with humanity um, 
they're different from the police officers who kind of treat not kind of treat who treat some black people like they're dogs like they're not humans and i do want to acknowledge that and in the month of may we had george floyd in the month of may we had complete social unrest that's when we really started to wake up and be like what the hell is going the fuck on and i'm not doing this no more we heard a lot of i'm sick and tired of being sick and tired and that really the camels the straw and camels back it really broke with George Floyd. Then Breonna Taylor, for me, started with Breonna Taylor. Then Ahmaud, first, let me go in chronological order because I'm going backwards. The the stress of the black community that they've been feeling like this needs to end was Ahmaud Arbery, rest in peace. Breonna Taylor, rest her soul. Then George Floyd, rest in peace. And so many more men and women, black men and women and even those that we don't know about i was even watching see this is why i also needed to limit my consumption on social media because i was on social media and as we're seeing all of these videos come in of like the police officers completely bombarding black people um completely bombarding um funerals i remember watching a funeral of in Brownsville or wherever it was in Brooklyn and the police officers were completely just running through it like it was freaking kind of odd like they were just going wow bringing terror and I was not expecting that and as I'm seeing all of these videos come up more and more I'm seeing also more reports of unreported death by the hands of the police and enough is enough that was me enough is enough enough is enough so may came in and we woke the hell up we officially woke the hell up and i'm still thankful for that we are and boom june came june came like a wrecking ball june came like a wrecking ball and it started off and it started off long time i can't even say it started off at the beginning of the year can't even say it started off last year it started off when the first slave ships came and I know it may sound cliche, but it's the damn truth. When you take people away from their home, they took people away from their home. They took human beings away from their home. White people took black kings and queens, black people from their home, from their continent, brought them to an unknown place. And till this day, in another century, we are still feeling the effects of that. When you when people take someone from their home unwillingly, destruction is to come. Hence why your home, your body, your sanctuary is so important. So important. Hence why I really take value in my home. And my home is my body. My home is where I grew up as well. My home is my culture as well. My home is my safe space. My home is my body. When people unwillingly, when people without permission take from that body, take from that home, it causes destruction. And this destruction that happened in the early days of slavery is still felt in 2020 all around the world. Because we still feel it in Haiti. We still feel it in Dominican Republic. We still feel it in, in Brazil. 
We still feel it in the West Indies, in the Caribbean, in, in Europe, in Africa. Come on. Asian people still feel it with imperialism. Uh-uh. It's just so... 2020 is about clarity. 2020 is about clarity. So let's hop into June. Let me focus in on June. <sighs> I had to take a breath on June. Whew. June was a lot. June has always been a lot for me. But June was revolutionary to me. June was impactful. June was a month of hurt. June was a month of pain for black people. June was a month of triumph and joy for black people. Still, in the pain, there is still joy to, to be found. In the pain, there is still some sense of calmness and faith to be found. And I think that was June. June was a month of pain. June was a month of uncomfortability. June was a month of unrest. And still, we as Black people were still able to find. We as Black people were still able to stand in our truth, stand in our purpose, stand in what we know to be true, and stand in our worth. And find joy still. Still in the face of all the killings. Still in the face of all of the rapes. Still in the in the face of all of the division. We still stand in our truth and we're going to demand more. Period. And period. <laughs> and that's how you go about life. I'm still going to stand in the truth. I'm still going to stand in what I know to be true. I'm still going to stand in my purpose, my God-given purpose, and harness my gift. And I'm not going to accept any less from anybody else. And that's on period. That's exactly what June taught me. And I'm thankful. And I'm thankful to be here still breathing, to be here still able to speak, to be here to still be able to tell my loved ones, hey, y'all, I love you. Hey, y'all, you mean the world to me. Hey, y'all, I'm glad You are with me. I'm glad I have this space with you. I'm glad I can experience you. Because here's another thing that this six months have taught me. People are not here. People were not placed on this earth to be my possession. Therefore, I have to be aware of what I'm mourning over. And that is in regards to the death. When someone dies, I have to recognize they were never my possession. Therefore, they were going to go regardless. And with that understanding, that allows some sense of calm. That allows some sense of calm and a breath of release. That allows us to surrender to the fact that, yes, this person is no longer here on this earth. However, their presence is still felt. Their their soul is still just as important as they were living as they are in the spiritual realm, as they are in the universe. Because now they're a star. Whenever someone dies, I believe that they went up and they're a star and they're looking over us. Um, me realizing, because there's been a lot of death this past six months, um, and especially a lot of deaths in my family as well. And it really did teach me that um, their lives were never my possession. Their lives were here for me to experience. And that is something so beautiful. And that's something I'm going to take. That's a truth I'm going to hold on to, value, and cherish. 
that people's lives are not my possession. They are to, they're for me to experience if they allow it. Because at the end of the day, that is their life. And who they let into their life is their business. So if I'm allowed to experience someone, if I allow you to experience me, that is a gift. And a gift I choose to be very mindful of. I choose to, I I ask God to give me the art of discernment to know which gift I should accept or not. And which presence I should be in or not. Which experience I should allow myself to, I don't want to say get lost in, but to cherish is amazing. So yes, that, and so far in July, this is what I'm learning in my six month review is that this is the lesson I want to take along. And the lesson is people's lives are not, people's lives are not. I do not own people. (laughs) Their lives are not my possession. Their lives are not here for me to consume. Their lives are here for me to experience. Each and every person, they are an experience that we are blessed to be a part of, that we are blessed to witness. And my life, my life matters. My black life matters. My womanly life matters. My God-given life matters. I am a daughter of God, baby. Jesus is my brother. (laughs) And I am thankful and I am blessed. And whoever I allow in my circle, they are equally as blessed and they are my equals. And that's something I'm really holding on to in July. And that's what these past six months taught me. One... Listen, what life am I going to leave? What life am I going to live? What life am I going to lead? Am I going to continue to stand in my purpose, in my truth that God gave me and, and go off with it? Or am I going to choose mediocrity? Am I going to succumb to the fears of the world? Am I going to succumb to the societal pressures that are all made up? That is all rooted in patriarchy. That's all rooted in white supremacy. Am I going to succumb to that? Or am I going to be courageous enough? Because even succumbing to societal pressure, it's designed that way. And it is hard. So I'm not going to take away the harshness of that. However, am I going to succumb to that and allow it to be? Or am I going to step into my purpose ten tones down? And say, thank you, God, for this moment, each and every step of the way. God, please keep on guiding me. Keep on leading me because I'm going somewhere big. And I choose that. Another thing that this six month taught me. Am I going to choose chaos, fear, and confusion? Or am I going to choose peace, faith, and prosperity? And when I say prosperity, I mean, am I going to visualize a future where I'm going to be good? Or am I going to succumb to the fear, the anxiety, and the chaos going on around me? Am I going to let that consume me? Or am I going to choose the peace? Am I going to choose what I know to be true? Am I going to be have faith? Am I going to have faith? And I choose that. I choose my faith. I choose my peace. I choose the sense of calm, even throughout the chaos. Because I know everything's going to be good. And I know for me, it's going to be great. 
period. So that was number two that this past six months taught me. Number three, nobody owe me anything. Nobody owes me anything. I do not own not one person. I own my life. So therefore, when it's time for them to go, when it's time for them to leave, I let it go. I let it be and I surrender to it. And that grants me a sense of calm. That eases my heartbreak. That eases my sense of why did this happen? No, it was meant to happen because they were never mine to begin with. I was meant to experience them. I was meant to witness their power, their beauty, and help them too if if that's what we were to do, you know? So that's number three, I believe, if I found three. Number four, I freaking matter. We freaking matter, period. And I matter just as I am, period. And number five, what's number five? Hmm... I'm pretty sure I have number five. However, this is what I'm going to do. I want you guys to send in voice notes telling me what your lesson is throughout this past six months have been. What is the number one lesson you are taking away from this past six months of 2020? You could even comment it on under my post on the homebody.vws page on Instagram. And you could also email me. Email me what is the one lesson, one or two lessons, because I don't want to just limit you guys to one. But what is your number one biggest lesson that you are taking away with in this past six months of 2020? Email me at thehomebody.vws at gmail.com. Again, homebody, H-O-M-E-B-O-D-Y, period, V-W-S, at gmail.com. What is your biggest lesson you're taking away with within this past six months? I'm definitely interested. I want to engage with you guys a lot more because, again, we are all homebodies. We take, we value, we are choosing to value our home. Our home is our body. We are choosing to look to the universe for wisdom. We are choosing to ask for clarity, asking the universe, asking God for clarity for peace and love. That's what I'm doing. And I pray and I offer that to you guys as well. Because as a homebody, that's what we need to survive in this world. And God's guidance. Because the world is chaotic. There's a lot happening. And there's a lot more to happen. But what are we going to choose? Are we going to choose chaos, confusion, and other people's will? Or are we going to choose faith, peace, love, and prosperity? Because that's the life I want to live. No matter what's happening around me, no matter what the media says, I still I, I know what the life I want to live. And it doesn't have darkness or chaos anywhere in sight. So yes, please email me and DM me your biggest lessons of 2020, of the past six months of 2020. Because we've been through a lot. And I want to, on the final note, Give you guys a round of applause for still being here. We've been through a lot. Homebodies, we've been through a lot. I'm going to say it again. Homebodies, we have been through a lot. But we are still here. And we are still strong. 
and we still look good. And we still the bad bitches that we are. We still the kings and queens that we were meant to be from birth. We are still God's children. And whoever you you look up to, whatever God you pray to, we are still their children and we are still there's we are still light workers in this world. And our light will never be dimmed. No matter what's happening, our light will never be dimmed. Never be dimmed. And we have the power to create the life that we want to live within our purpose. And the question is, what life do what legacy do I want to leave when I am no longer physically here? That's definitely the fifth lesson <laughs> that 2020 so far has brought to me. So thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for staying in here, staying strong, hanging in there. I love you guys. I love my homebodies. I love myself. I love my culture. I love being Haitian. I love being black. I love being a woman. I love being a child of God. I love God and I love love and I love y'all. Amen, period. And I pray for prosperity and the sun, the sun, the sun will shine and continue to shine. And until another episode, homebodies, be safe out there. And remember, you matter. And self-discovery is the best discovery. Thank you for tuning in to the entire episode. And now that you're here, I have a great announcement to make. And that is that I created a Homebody Meets Universe website. So now we are live. It's going to go up on my birthday, August 10th. And a new blog post is going to be there. All of my recent Homebody Meets Universe episodes shall be there. And it's going to be a place where we could just be. It's going to be a creative hub where all my homies, all my homebodies get to really connect with themselves virtually and digitally. And send in their stories. Send in their their poems. I'm so excited for the poem entry portion that I'm going to include on the website. And I would love to hear your voices. And it's really going to be it really is already a homebody collective so get down with the get down with the homebody meets universe website and it's homebodymeetsuniverse.com and org just for the girlies in the back and i'm so happy about that